0: This little book, relatively little, uh, makes a unique contribution to the Bible through what it has to say about Jesus. Now this morning in our first session of the series we're going to take an overview so that we have a general understanding to help us appreciate what other speakers bring to us as they take us through the 13 chapters of the book. Now first a little about the author. Unlike many of the New Testament books the author of Hebrews is not actually identified. However we do learn things about him from what he had to write. Since he didn't seem to see the need to identify himself, we might assume that he was well known to his first readers. He wrote to encourage them in their Christian faith and in chapter 6 verse 1 he urges them to go on to maturity. That is to go on growing greater in their appreciation of Jesus. Now at the end of the book he writes that Timothy who had been released from prison together with the author, planned to visit them. So there was an established relationship between the author and his readers. Now when was the book written? Well there's no clear statement about that. The author does spend a lot of time writing about the ministry of the Old Testament priests and about the tabernacle back in the time of the Exodus. But given his interest in priests and tabernacles it's a little strange that he doesn't mention anything about the destruction of the Jerusalem temple in AD 70. So this might suggest that uh, that event occurred after he had written So perhaps the book dates from about the late 60s AD, about 30 years after the death of Jesus. Well now who were the first readers of the book? From the material contained in it, it's clear that the readers understood their Old Testament very well and so presumably they had a Jewish background. They had become Jewish believers towards the end of chapter 10, there's reference to some of these people being publicly insulted and persecuted. Others had their property confiscated. Others ended up in jail because of their Christian beliefs. Now some were finding it just a bit too hard and they were in danger of giving up their Christian faith. So we can understand why this writer wants to encourage them in their difficult circumstances. Some commentators take the final two verses as indicating that the readers were members of a local congregation in or near Rome, probably just a small group, perhaps like us, or even a small house church of that time. Now the main theme of the book, you don't have to read for very long to see that the book is about Jesus. There are repeated phrases that stand out as uh, Sam has mentioned and the first one is this, Jesus is superior. He is superior to the Old Testament prophets at the start of chapter 1. And then chapter 1 verse 4, he's superior to the angels. In chapter 3, he's superior to Moses. And then in chapter 7 he's superior to all those Old Testament priests. Jesus is superior to all these ones who played significant roles in the Old Testament. But another phrase that's used several times is Jesus is better. In chapter 7 Jesus introduced a better hope and guaranteed a better covenant. In chapter 8, his work stands on better promises. In chapter 10, Jesus provides better possessions. And in chapter 12, he speaks a better word. Another recurring phrase that we notice as we read through is that Jesus is greater. He's greater than Abraham in chapter 7. In chapter 8 his ministry is greater than the tabernacle ministry. In chapter 8 also the new covenant established by Jesus is far greater than that Old Testament covenant. In chapter 10 his sacrifice is greater than the Old Testament temple sacrifices. And in chapter 12... Experiencing life with Jesus is greater than the remarkable experiences on Mount Sinai during the Exodus. So this book is clearly about Jesus, the one who is superior, the one who is better, the one who is greater. Now in the Old Testament there were people, some of whom were prophets, some were priests, some were kings. A prophet brought the word of God to the people. A priest interceded before God on behalf of the people. A king reigned on behalf of God over the people. When we come into the New Testament it is Jesus who is prophet and priest and king. He is the one who is our great high priest, who appears in heaven itself. A unique contribution of Hebrews, let me remind you again, is the comprehensive description of this priestly role of Jesus, the one who intercedes on our behalf before the throne of God in heaven. And it is this teaching that occupies the greater part of the book. Now what sort of book is it? In the past this book was sometimes called the epistle or letter of Paul to the Hebrews. However the authorship of Paul can't be verified and while the book has some features of a New Testament letter it is more like a written sermon giving practical teaching for daily living. Now how does the author put his material together? The book begins by explaining that God spoke to people through prophets in past times, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The first few chapters go on to show how God is revealed through Jesus. The second part of the book, covering chapters 4 to 10, gives that major teaching which Hebrews contributes to the New Testament text, the high priestly activity of Jesus. Then the third section There are numerous examples of persevering faith. By faith this one and by faith that one. And then it goes on to call all believers to remain true and loyal to God. The concluding section gives guidance about living as Christians in a hostile world. Now this structure, if we can just get that in our minds, will help us understand what the book is about and how the author presents his material. Now we should also note that there are some warnings in the book. Look for these in the paragraph headings in your Bible. In chapter 2 we're warned to listen to what God has said so we don't drift away. In chapter 3 there's a paragraph about the dangers of unbelief. A longer section in chapters 5 and 6 warns about falling away from our Christian faith. In chapter 10, a long paragraph urges readers not to quit but to persevere. Finally, in chapter 12, there's a solemn word of warning about the awful danger of refusing God we understand the reason for such warnings when we recall the challenging times that those first readers were facing but they have not been the only ones through history now let's take just a few minutes to look at the opening paragraph itself back to chapter 1 In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Now who is this son? Now in verses 2, 3 and 4 we have a brilliant summary. Now look at your Bible starting at verse 2. Watch carefully, follow these through. Number one, God appointed him heir of all things. Number two, through him he made the universe. Thirdly, he is the brilliance of God's glory. Number four, he's the exact representation of God's being. He sustains all things by his powerful word. Number six, he provides purification for sins. We've been remembering that. Number seven, he ascended to the right hand of God in heaven. Now these seven definitive statements about Jesus are followed by seven confirming Old Testament references in the remainder of the chapter. A number of those references come from the Psalms. Now each of the seven had an application for its time but also each one was pointing forward to the superior, to the better, to the greater one who was to come. So the stage is set and we move into the second chapter which brings the first warning. If Jesus is indeed the majestic, powerful, divine Son through whom God has given his final word, then the chapter says to us, listen, we must pay more careful attention to what we have heard. So now what about us? With this general background we have to go on to a second important aspect of our series and that is how does it apply to us in our time? Our news bulletins remind us that we live in times when Christians face opposition. Some suffer persecution. Faith is challenged. We hear the Bible ridiculed. And we are called to pray for one another, to pray for the persecuted church, to help one another in challenging times. And like those first readers, being a Christian in our time is not easy. And we find some who are in danger of giving up their faith. So this book does have a message for us today. Now we're a local congregation, not near Rome but not far from Melbourne. And we too face challenges and some may be uncertain in their faith perhaps in danger of giving up their faith. Now let me tell you our leaders are concerned about these things and they're seeking wisdom and guidance from God through prayer and also from advisers through discussions. Elders will tell you more of this in the near future. But as we begin this particular series, we are praying that we will all learn from this book. So, as a congregation, our purpose for this series is threefold. First, we want to learn more about what God has said through Jesus. Second, we want to take note of the five warnings that are given in the book. And thirdly, we want to be encouraged to persevere in our Christian faith. Now I want you to read those through. But then I'm going to ask you to read them together with me reading together what's in the coloured rectangle. Together, our purpose for this series from Hebrews is to learn more of what has said through Jesus, take note of the five warnings given, be encouraged to persevere in our Christian faith. Now in chapter 10 and verses 36 and 37, the writer reminded his readers of the need to persevere despite the challenges they were facing at the time. God has spoken by his Son and the time is approaching when that same Son will return to bring to completion all that God has planned for the world and for its people. It was vital that those early Jewish believers we were ready for that momentous day when it came. I think it is more important that we are ready for that momentous day when it comes. Now, in conclusion, can I encourage you to please pray for our church? Our congregation. Please pray for its leaders. Please pray for those who lead our various ministries and outreaches. Please pray for each other that we will learn more about what God has said. We will heed the warnings he has given and we will persevere in our Christian faith now next week Keith Jackson will come and he will lead us into chapter 2 it would be appropriate to pray for Keith now you will know that I don't usually finish up a message early And we won't quite do that this morning either but it's going to be a little different. This morning I want to take a few moments for us all to pray. I want you to just think for a moment. I want you to form into little groups of four or five. Don't move any furniture but just those alongside you, either side, perhaps a couple in front, a couple behind. Just slide along your row a little bit But just move into little groups of four or five. Don't talk, but do pray. For those things that I've just outlined to you our church, its ministries, our leaders, the leaders of our particular activities. Pray for one another and for our families and for this series that God will speak to us and work among us just for a few minutes now if you're a little uncomfortable and I haven't done this before just feel quite relaxed just stay where you are you pray silently on your chair while others are praying on their chairs or perhaps read some more of that book of Hebrews but a little time of prayer Ready, set, move. Father, we are so grateful that you are a God who hears our prayers. We are also deeply grateful that there in heaven our dear Saviour presents those prayers to you on our behalf. And we rejoice together that you are the God who answers prayers and we ask that you will do that according to your good and perfect will. We want it to be for our good but for your eternal praise and glory. Amen. Amen. Folk, there will be um, printed copies of this little overview available this morning. Please take one as you leave. Stuart will have them. And it might be helpful just to refer to that as we go through so you see where we're going and what is happening. Now I wonder if we could all stand together and we'll pray the benediction together and it comes from the end of the book. You'll see the reference there, chapter 13 and verses 20 to 21 and I've shortened it a little. Let us pray together. May the God of peace equip us with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Amen.